You're listening to The Dollop. This is a bi-weekly American history podcast. Each week, I read a story to my friend, Gareth Reynolds. Who has no idea what the topic is going to be about. Hey! Hi, really? good to see you. You don't know? I don't. You don't? No idea. You don't know? I have no idea. What you've got on your little thing there, your little tablet doohickey. Oh, you don't know. I don't know what is on there. God, you want a little hit of it? I'll do one bottle. <laughs> People say this is funny? Not Gary Gera. Dave, okay. Someone or something is tickling people. Is it for fun? And this is not going to become the Tickling Podcast. Okay. You are Queen Fakie of Made Up Town. All hail Queen Shit of Liesville. A bunch of religious virgins go to mingle. And do what? Pray. Hi, Gary. No. Nicely done, my friend. No. No. <laughs> um, this podcast is brought to you by our subscribers, on Patreon, we thank each and every one of you. Uh, it really does help us. Uh, those of you who subscribe, and uh, we really appreciate it. Yes. Yeah. Nineteen thirty-four. Is Mark coming? I just let that hang. There. <laughs> Victor Bronco was born in Oakland. He was the son of a black jazz pianist and a Jewish woman. A, a controversial couple Classic pairing Yeah Just, just like your classic You've heard 30, it a million times Stereotypical in that 30s 1930s couple Oh what do you think They got stairs He said he was uh, The neighborhood Punching bag Because he was Quote A fat Smartass Jewish kid And because I used Multiple syllabic Words And my parents Were intellectuals That's not wait, why Wait 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 He was a Jew he was half Jewish and half black. Half Jewish, half black. Okay. And so he's saying he got punched because he was Jewish. Because he had a good vocabulary. A, a large vocabulary, not because he was half black and half Jewish. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> he was sent from one grammar school to another. i just making sure I started this because it seemed like I didn't remember. Okay. I so, did. Are you okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, he went to a school for what he called exceptional children. Sure. Is he shining a turd? Uh, he became a bully in the seventh grade. He went to college on a football scholarship, but stopped playing and left college after two months. Okay. Bronco also claimed he played in the 1954 Rose Bowl. He claimed. Well, do you see a problem with stopping playing? No, they hold it opening. They hold months? it on the first day of school. <laughs> but unfortunately, that's not possible because his college did not go to the Rose Bowl that year. Also, he had dropped out of school. Right. Two strikes. Two ways that make it very hard. Two different ways that it didn't happen at all. Yeah. He worked as a low-rent hustler, then as a bookie, and finally he went straight, working as a washing machine salesman, and then a bouncer, and then got a job flying people to Vegas to gamble. So just the regular chain that a job would follow, the right trajectory. What you do. Yeah. You sell washing machines, you don't let people into clubs, and then you take people to other cities. There you go. Bing, bang, boom. And then he realized he could buy houses cheap, fix them up, and sell them. Oh. Oh. Uh, oh. Mm-hmm. The plot thickens. He resold... Uh, oh, he and a couple partners bought shitty houses at low prices, had hippies fix them up, <laughs> then resold or rented them for a nice profit. Okay. Sometimes they would have hippies fix them up and then... And then the hippies would move in and they'd charge them rent. Well, a lot of people don't realize that after uh, slavery was abolished, hippies were enslaved for, for there was an indentured for, servitude for least, period of the hips. At least 30 years. Yeah. Calling people the H word. Yeah. It's, uh, it's a dark time in American history. Yeah. And yet I wish it was still happening. Yeah. Uh, this is around the time he had an epiphany. 
Okay. He realized other people should hear how he became the man he had become. He had a message to spread. He had a philosophy. He's a motivation. And a way to teach people about life. Okay. Quote, how can I arrange to unselfishly serve the world and profit by it? Okay. (laughs) What a sweetie. Do you see it? How can I save mankind and make a bunch of money? (laughs) (laughs) He started the Institute of Human Abilities. This name is amazing. And people began to follow him. Oh, God. Of course. The Institute of Human Abilities. Don't you sometimes think it would just be worth it to just drop it and just say you're Jesus just to get like 30 people to live on a compound with you and just it do whatever you say? doesn't seem like it's that hard. It can't, it, I guarantee you. It just I doesn't. guarantee you we could get at least 20 people to be like, you are Jesus. Most of us, the vast majority of us wouldn't do it for the simple reason that you would get up in the morning and there'd be 20 people going, hey, hey, yeah. hey, hey, hi. How you doing? Hi. Uh, do me a favor, make some pancakes and then come over and fuck me. All right, guys, I'm going to turn in for a minute. Yeah. Keep reading your bibbles. That's pretty commonly, pretty commonly how it goes. Yep. The Institute of Human Abilities was set up as a real estate corporation in late 1969. So it's very clear what's happening there. <laughs> Barranco bought a 16-acre property in Lafayette, California, and named it Morehouse. The grounds had a main residence and houses, a studio, a House, it says house trailer. It's got to be horse trailer. Uh, a, a house trailer. A house trailer is a funny thing to picture. Yeah, but what's well, it's, a, it's, a, it's at the end of the house, there was a trailer with a house in it. Yeah. Uh, there are tennis courts and assorted junk cars. The buildings were and uh, still are painted a bright purple because that was his wife's favorite color. Sure. There was more to this than just profit. He also taught what was called responsible hedonism. Okay. And this was his bigger plan for the Institute. Quote, as the damn thing spreads, we suck up the outside. Pretty soon we own the butcher, the garage, everything. Dig it? Now, if it turns out that we do the whole thing, we sell everybody love, then we'll start selling hate. The same machine will work. Uh, I'm sorry. Many questions. Uh, So... His plan is to. He's gonna. He's got to get a bunch of hippies in there. He's got this hedonism mumbo jumbo thing that he's gonna sell. This, right. This philosophy, this way of living a life. Right. He's gonna sell it to people. <coughs> right. Right. You got to get in to learn about it. You got to pay. Sure. And then if that works and everyone is fucking turned on, everyone right. in the world jumps on board, then you fucking flip it and you sell hate. Flip that shit. He's still flipping stuff. Well, you still you just come out flipping from the houses, you come flipping out from the side. You, so now you've done love, and then you turn around and you go, "Hey, what about selling this shit? Fuck you!" And everyone's like, "Yeah, fuck you!" And then you sell, "Fuck you!" And then what is the? And then the next and you part? You make more money. It's more profit. Just because? Okay, it's sure. Because people are just buying ideas, right? They're buying the the idea of how to live. It's like when Garth Brooks became Chris Gaines. It's exactly like that. What isn't? In nineteen. 19- 72, a book came out published by Rolling Stone titled Mindfuckers, a source book on the rise of acid fascism in America, including material on Charles Manson, Mel Lyman, Victor Barranco, and their followers. Wow. 
So that's who he's grouped in with, right? That, now. That's a good. I mean, we're just one shy of a Mount Rushmore, which is what right? They, they, they those are three pretty nice faces to put on this. Yeah, true. But so he's in a group. That's a good pairing. He's a fucking grouping. Uh, quote from the book: A new kind of fascism has emerged in the wake of the so-called acid revolution, born of boredom, loneliness, and intense spiritual hunger. It has captured some of America's most creative young minds. In a period of extreme personal liberation, it has caused more and more believers to opt for servility, to let their lives, their careers, pleasures, loyalties, even choice of lovers be controlled by the holy whim of one man. That's what I'm saying. That could be us. I know. That's what I'm saying. But that's, that's the end game for the dollop. Uh, we're pretty soon there's going to be dollop houses. Dude, I'm very excited for the next chapter. I know. Think of all the pancakes. Oh, God. The pancakes. Pancakes. Why did you do it? For the pancakes. We did it for the pancakes. Uh, With he, 400 pounds each. So what was he, your plan? <laughs> just to eat a lot of pancakes. Just, it was a way to, we sat down and we said, how can we get the most pancakes? Well, it started from a conversation where we both said we love pancakes. <laughs> and how do we get all the pancakes? Uh, so he's teaching in the purple buildings. He's teaching people how to do this stuff. I mean, that's the, that's the right off the bat. If you're going into purple buildings to learn, you've got to be a little like, it's not a good, it's like a Dr. Seuss. Yeah. The Institute of Human Abilities pushed Aquarius magazine, published Aquarius magazine that had ads for courses like basic sexual sensuality, a weekend with Vic Barranco. Oh boy. Now the weekend with Vic Barranco, uh, sometimes was a weekend without Vic Bronco. You would pay a bunch of money, and sometimes he'd just send his kids to tell people what he thought. So, you know. so your weekend with Vic Bronco could also be not that at all. It's like when you go see a show, and it's the understudy. Like, no, if, it's like if you went to see Batman, and Carol was playing. Interesting. Okay, so different. <laughs> Still, people do put up the Carol signal in the sky if they want some lesbian That's action. True. Uh, basic sensuality course description. Oh boy. Two days, which will show you the physical and conceptual techniques to overcome impotency and frigidity, to increase the duration and intensity of orgasm, to train partners and to experience pleasurable childbirth. Now, my guess is that he showed up for a lot of those. Uh, I bet he showed up for all of those. (laughs) Also covers completely the concept of responsible hedonism, $45. Oh, that's now, it. you, as a man, did not hear, you just went right past the term pleasurable childbirth, but every woman listener went, what the fuck? Right. Which is the appropriate response. Mm, it's exciting. Let him show you how to use your genitals that he doesn't have. The Institute also recommended mutual masturbation as, quote, a surefire way to a perfect orgasm every time. According to Masters and Johnson, the average number of contractions per orgasm for women is 6 to 9 and 8 to 12 for men. But we've had people at the Institute have as many as 250 contractions per orgasm. Okay. First of all. Yeah, go. Um, how does a man, are they, how are they? S- what? Are, this is like during a day? This isn't like back-to-back orgasms. Uh, we're going to get to that. Because there's no guy who's like, oh, I'm coming again. Well, you don't know that you didn't go to the school. Twelve times? 
No, contractions. Just contractions. So what does that mean? Where just means, uh, 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 your dick you, just jiggles? Yeah, when your dick, uh, you know, the dick You jiggle. have a cock seizure? I think, I think it's technically called the dick jiggle. Oh, I've read about the dick jiggles. Yeah, they're, they're, they're contractions. You know, contractions. Oh. Oh. Now, there's a course called Man and Woman. Course description. This course deals with the roles and the language of the sexes and with the dynamics of the relationships these create. The course teaches how to interpret manies and womanies and how to understand the math of one and two. $45. That, that seems like the math is really in the price. That seems like that course should just be called total bullshit. Yeah. Most importantly, yes. So you have another let, question. Let's, let's just this is be a, let me tell you right now, there's going to be a lot of questions during this. Let's just follow-up. stop and take okay. a question real quick. So the mutual masturbation... Mm-hmm. So th- it, there are just a bunch of people in a room masturbating together? Yep, that's what's happening. It's so he's just, for $45, so, he so invites you into a purple barn to just jerk off. 60 people come in, and they, he has them take off their, you know, it's the 60s or early 70s. So he goes, everyone take off your clothes, and then, and then he tells them how to stroke or finger each other. <laughs> As only he can. He's, he's Victor Barranco. Oh, boy, that is... Are we going to be able to say our names and where we're from, or do we just strip down right away, man? <laughs> Oh, man, this is going to be a long dollop for you. Oh, God. <laughs> and most importantly, that laugh. Barranco taught, for a hefty price, the meaning, structure, and teaching techniques. The meaning, structure, and what techniques? Teaching techniques. So he He's teaching how to teach? How to be a teacher. Sure. For a lot of money, he would teach you how to run your own commune. Oh, boy. Which you could then franchise as a Morehouse. Oh boy. The institute grew to be a chain of communes so profitable that people in Berkeley called him the Colonel Sanders of the commune scene. Wow. Commune Sanders. He was now rolling in cash. Communes were huge at the time. There were over 5,000 nationally and around 1 million people living in them. It's so great that the idea of like this movement is about sort of like independence from corporation. And he's like, yep, setting up shop, dumbass. <laughs> One teacher said, quote, how to not get ripped off. Forty five dollars. Forty five bucks. One teacher said, quote, this is a religious institution, really. I mean, it's a business, true, but the Catholic Church is, too. It's the same hustle in a different package, but we fit into the tenor of the times. What with the communes and all. The Institute is a good scam. Well, we call ourselves hustlers and the other people marks. Hey. Victor hustles their asses and their souls. He takes their dough to feed himself, but he sees to it that they win too. Because of the masturbating. Well, they're getting out of it the the profound knowledge of how to live life. All the, all the knowledge the, the of double Charles jer- Manson's partner. Yeah, they're getting the double jerk-off knowledge while they, their banks are emptied. And then, so everyone walks away good because he's getting the money and they're learning how to jerk each other off. And He could open a sperm bank too while he's at it. That's what I'm talking about. The original Morehouse became known as Lafayette Morehouse as other franchises popped up. Bronco kept expanding his commune business and forging ahead with his research. Right. Air quoting. At some point, his research led to the three-hour orgasm. Uh. (laughs) You weren't lying. (laughs) (laughs) The three-hour orgasm? Mm Mm-hmm. 
I mean, good God. My first question. Can, and can you make it stop, Victor? <laughs> My first question is, why would you want that? Why? Am I in a, am I in a Chinese prison? Oh, torture? you just sleep is... for two days and wake up the next day and your legs are killing you? You're like, I, I feel like I rode a horse all day yesterday. <sighs> My fucking dick is killing me. This led to demonstrations of the three-hour orgasm. How long were those? Right. The year is 1976. Oh, boy. Quote. He had, this is from a woman, a young woman at the time. I believe she was 22. Okay. He had this idea that we would do a show and that we'd invite people to come and watch. I really felt special that this was going to happen. He had it be on the gynecological table to make it clear this was educational as well as fun. because Erotic, too. Well, a, gyne- a gynecological table always says educational as well as fun. Yeah. We it want you to has. be comfortable and turned on. Now get on this sterile metal table that's cold. It was just him showing the coming, having me come. It was for three hours. It was a big hall, and it was packed. Oh, my God. He did me, and the whole time he talked. Shut the fuck up. Shut the fuck up. I think he's, I don't know what, I mean, I don't know if he's fucking her, but I know that he's, there's like a prolonged fingering kind of thing happening. He had to do everything. There's all all the things, but I don't know if he fucked her. But she did say he did me three hours. Yeah, he did but, me. But they called it doing. They called it. They called the 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 jerking off doing. It's called the deliberate orgasm. And the whole time he, so he did me. Are the there time, non-deliberate orgasms? You're just waiting in line at the bank, and you're like, no, I'm no gonna come. fuck me, fuck. God damn it, I gotta get a hold on this. Uh, I'll actually use the ATM. Excuse me. Excuse me. I accidentally orgasmed. I did not mean to do that. Whoops. That was not a deliberate orgasm. He did me, and the whole time he talked and demonstrated what he was doing. Really banger hard. You just see him right now, right? Because he's a smoker. So I just see a cigarette hanging on. He's just fucking diddling her, and he's like, okay, so I'm rubbing the clit right now. Still rubbing her. Look at that. Look at that. All right, I'm still rubbing the clit. All right. Um, it's like in the meaning of life. There's that scene where John Cleese has a class of students totally. and just bangs his wife in front of That's him and exactly. explains it. I, I bet that is partially based I, on this, which is a I, movement. I, I this bet kind it is. Of shit. I bet at, it is. At the time, this isn't as uncommon as you would wish it was. Uh, listen, I'm ready. If we're ready to get back into this system, it was three hours long, three and he had hours. me take breaks. It's a long. We're gonna time. take a Union Five. Just a Union 5 smoke break, guys. Sorry, everybody knows you can't come for over 30 in, uh, under Union rules. We're going to mop up and lay down some new tarp, and then we'll get back at it. It was a long time to just lay there and get off. We had cigarette breaks. When that demonstration was over, people ran to every available space on the property so that they could get off too, get the women off. It was really the women after that, he decided to have it be that he was going to certify people and wrote a course to teach people how to do it. What? So now you can get certification. So now he's a fuck doctor? This eventually became known as the deliberate orgasm. So he, he monetized relentless fingering. Well, when you put it like that. It would go on so long that sometimes students passed out, fell out of chairs, and pictures fell off walls. And he kept the fucking going around. A former member of the commune named Cauliflower. Sure. Cauliflower power. Said that attachment to a single sexual partner was frowned upon. Yeah. 
and most members were polyamorous, sleeping in a group bed and regularly rotating sexual partners in what was loosely considered group marriage. Now, that's very common to cults. Can you imagine uh, if you like live next door? Oh, to that, and then you. Oh just no, like, there. I didn't go into it, but the next door neighbors were very not happy. Yeah, they were not happy at all. God damn it! There's fucking fifty hippies fucking on the lawn. Yeah, totally. Oh, oh, oh my god! Oh my god! But there's there's some, and I and I tried to investigate it, but there's so much. This was a tough. This is the hardest one I've ever written. Um, but but there is something to to breaking down a person, grooming them for sex. In a cult situation, yeah, right, and and there is a, a control that is greatly associated with making people think that getting fingered in front of people is f- great. Right. You know what I mean? Like you groom them for that. The way you would you groom, brainwash the slowly. way you would groom a child for molestation. Right, you groom an adult right. to break down all their sexual norms and right. think it's cool to do this shit that really isn't cool. Anyway, that's fun. Three hours. Uh, so all the while he was seeking legitimate to legitimize his practices. Sure, and that came in 1978. Oh God, Lafayette Morehouse became more university. <laughs> okay, he managed to get the school approved by the state of California to grant PhDs in sex in 1979. What? I mean, California's California. PhD. That'd be great when you just like. You just go back to someone's house, and they're just like, and uh, you're in good hands. I'm actually a fuck doctor. (laughs) Why'd you lay on that bed? Check out my degree. Right there. Says I can fuck. You can see I'm a veterinarian, and I also have a minor in fucking. (laughs) Right up there. I'm I'm mostly just focused on the fucking now, you know what I mean? I have a major in fucking, and my PhD is in fingering. He told me he had majored in fucking, but I think he minored because, uh, no. It's just like an hour and a half. <laughs> so boring. Whatever. Um, he managed to get, so he managed to get the school approved. At that time, California wasn't really big on rules and regulations for who could grant post-education degrees. And at Moore, uh, there was a Bachelor of Humanities, a Master of Humanities, a Doctor of Philosophy and Lifestyles, and Sensuality. A Doctor of Sensuality. And it was all for profit. You just you don't know what he is, and you just go to the doctor's office because you have a head cold, and he's like, yeah, drip your pants. Why don't you just go ahead. Just I'm just going to finger your wife. Tell me uh, your symptoms. Excuse me? <laughs> her arm is broken. Yeah, I'm yeah, aware yeah, of that. Yeah, yeah. You know, I'm about I to let, break something I, else. I think if I, let, if I get her to come, it's going to set. I'll tell you, in three hours, my arm's going to feel like it's broken. Quote, it's like a boat. The woman is the steerer and the man is the motor. And once you can relax men and settle down into slavery in the motor room, what a gas. <laughs> they take care of you sexually, feed you, and clothe you. They take care of all your creature comforts, and all you got to do is shovel coal. Shovel coal. Yeah, I'm not really sure what that meant, but it was in there, so I I didn't want to take it out. I mean, that's a that. It's a motor. You're shoving coal in the motor, right? And then you're com- <laughs> I guess you're coming a lot. You, when it's you're a, it's a you not in, great analogy. You, you need to practice an analogy in the room before you go public <laughs> with it. You know, I keep shoveling coal inside of the boat's pussy. Excuse me. <laughs> they said the foundation of their philosophy and lifestyle was the concept of perfection. They believe that people and situations are right the way they are, but include the potential for change. 
Then they focused on making people come in front of large crowds. So it all makes sense. Because that's how you get perfection. You make people come in front of other people. The movement spread and grew. One of those studying at the university was a man named Ray Vetterlein. He began studying with Victor in 1968. Ray eventually earned Morehouse's highest private qualification in extended orgasm in 1989. Yes, I'm a doctor of orgasms. Uh, For a very long time, I can do this. He's just got huge fingers. So he has a PhD in long, long coming. Sure, right. The long come. Absolutely. But the movies. That's an Olympic sport, right? Yeah. The longest come? Yes, that was that, but that was about. That's the Germany. movie based, yeah. right? Uh, a quote from Ray: "There's really no such thing as separate orgasms, or clitoral orgasms, or anal orgasms. It's all an orgasm. Yeah. And the way to get a woman at that place is to have more attention on the woman than you do on yourself. So far, this is knowledge for idiots. Yeah." How do you think you get a woman to orgasm? Yeah. By jerking yourself off? Yeah, you come and then she does? What do you, you know, I get my wife to come as I look at, I, I go, look at me. Yeah. Look at my dick. Yeah. Look at this shit. Yeah. A lot of that. Where most men fail is they're always like, when do I get my entitlement? You have to totally take all the attention off of yourself and put all attention on the woman to the point where you're inside the woman's psychic energy field. And when the woman is having an orgasm or building towards an orgasm, I personally feel as if it's happening to me. Residents call this the deliberate orgasm or DOing. So you are deliberately making someone orgasm. Now, Dave, this is just horseshit talk to get women to come into the program. Because they think men are selfish in bed. Yeah, right? uh, it, yeah. Because the whole uh, the whole premise is is is, is like, uh, aren't you just supposed to try to make the, the other person give up the I idea? What, what I know about sex is that you both want to have fun. Yeah, and you don't. You, you, your your job is to not just be like, oh man, yeah, oh, that, I. Woo, woo, that was great for me. Woo, light why, two cigarettes, baby. Why are you crying? Why are you putting on your clothes? But people who knew uh, of the campus thought something was up. First, the Contra Costa Times started writing not-so-flattering articles on the goings-on at Moore University. How can you be slanderous towards such an institution? I don't know. How can you be angry at Bang U? They're just trying to make happiness. Yeah. In 1981 and 1982, Moore filed three lawsuits against the paper, and all were dismissed. As a matter of fact, Victor enjoyed suing lots of people and businesses, such as... The Contra, the County of Contra Costa, the San Francisco Chronicle, uh-huh. who called uh, more the Academy of Carnal Knowledge, and also his parents. Oh, really? He sued his parents. Sure. Well, his dad wouldn't bang his mom in front of him. <laughs> <laughs> One resident of the university was quoted as saying, we'll consider suing anyone. Boy, they really sound uh, a, a little trashy. Yeah. 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 But the school kept cranking Yo, we're suing your fucking paper. Fuck you. Fuck you. We'll sue you. What'd you say? That we're like, we like to fuck, fuck you. We're going to sue you. you. We do like to fuck you. We're going to sue you. Three hours. Oh. The school kept cranking out degrees. Victor's own wife got her degree in sensuality from Moore University in 1980 after she became the dean of Moore's sensuality department. The dean of sensuality. Yeah. Do you know why I called you into my office? Because you need something special. Because you're in trouble. 
Mm, but not for spanking. No. I'm going to finger you for four days. <laughs> uh, I got to be, I got to be, uh, I got a job, so I can't make yeah, it four days. and I have a job. No, but no, you understand what I'm saying? Four mm-hmm. days, I can't do four days. I have to go to my job. Come on. Get your fingers ready. Oh, fuck. Hope your arm's ready to get tired. Uh, yeah, I don't want to go. Welcome school. to Bang You. I think I go to UC Santa Barbara. No, they don't have any degrees I in banging. Geography. What? Or just political, listen, political listen to science? me. Clear your schedule. Cancel your doggy style class and wet dreams. Okay. And then just get over here. Okay. And just tucker that shoulder out. The dean of sensuality has spoken. Okay. Oh, little hot for these panties, isn't it? <laughs> no. Yes, it is. <laughs> Gets so hot over here. School kept cranking out degrees, right? She gets her own degree in sensuality. Eleven of the school's courses were created by Victor. He said the mutual simulation program was, quote, making friends with another's crotch. That's always fun to become crotch buddies. (laughs) Making friends with another's crotch. That is, a, that is a very nice way to talk about sex, though. She came over. We had a couple cocktails. I made friends with her crotch. We're going out no Thursday. Way. You guys, you two, make friends with each other's crotch. You guys, shake crotch hands. But, you know, this is also a, a place where he's making... Stra- Spit on your friend's crotch. You know, this is a place where he makes strangers do it, right? So two people yeah. come here like, yeah, jerk off Larry. Uh, Julie, you, uh, you get your... Yeah. Julie, suck Ben's dick. <laughs> Welcome to college. <laughs> Yo... <laughs> In the mid-1980s, California started cracking down on private education schools like Moore. Inspectors went for the first time to the university. Oh, my God. They were a bit shocked. Why? What did they see? Quote, it was an eye-opener. Here were all these old limos and people sitting around in their underwear peeling potatoes. Oh, my God. Sorry. What, uh... Sorry. We must be lost. We're actually looking for more university. And uh, all I see are a bunch of uh, naked, oh, sexed-out uh, hippies peeling potatoes. Oh, yes, I would Also, like, you guys have a lot of limos. I, I, yes, I would like french fries, but I would also like to discuss why you're in your underwear. We don't wash our hands. Uh, they also said it was really filthy. A guy named Jim came out of a building buckling his pants, followed by a woman who was followed by a child. Uh, but again, cults, you fuck in front of... Because you get them used to the sexuality. So when if you're raised in a cult, you by the time they want you, you're you're ready. It's normal, right? Uh, Boy, that is. uh... Victor said he was too busy to speak to the inspectors, but they found some literature. Quote: Equipment to take to class: a towel, a mirror, and all body parts. Oh, my God! A towel and a mirror. A mirror. Yeah. Oh, so weird. Watch your balls. Check Watch your balls. Is, you, yeah, there you go. The inspectors also were not allowed to see any classrooms. They also couldn't see the nursery because, quote, a child had fallen and is on the verge of dying. Jesus Christ. That's more reason to see the nursery as far as I'm yeah. concerned. Uh, they were allowed to see. No, you can't see the nursery because a kid's dying in there. Um, he fell when I was banging the teacher. Okay. Yeah. Hey, I got an A. Hey, got an A, baby. Uh, they were allowed to see one building that had a video studio with a gynecological table in the center. 
There in there there was a library there was a library of videotapes with labels like Vic's birthday party. Oh boy. Well, how do we celebrate at this university? It can't be good. There were hundreds of se- of tapes. The sex acts were always taped in front of students. Oh my god. As far as curriculum, there was no reading requirements. Curriculum. come. There were no financial records. There was no verification of faculty. They found 11 Thesis by faculty. Good. One was about how Victor had made a woman come for seven hours, and she questioned why her boyfriend couldn't do that. <sighs> Julia, I like your thesis a lot. It makes me look great. It's really good. It makes me look fucking great. Your you know boyfriend I mean? doesn't like it. Hey, you know what you should do your, your thesis on? You know how I made you come for seven hours? Seven hours. Did your boyfriend do that? Seven your boyfriend, hours. Does your boyfriend do that? No. Okay, there's your thesis. Great. What are we talking about? It's all right there. So fucking write it up. My topic sentence. Why my boyfriend couldn't make me come for seven hours. I love your thesis. Thank you. That boy, I mean, <clears throat> but seven hours. That's a long time to come. It's insane. I don't want that. Who no, nobody that? does. Who wants to be on either end of that? Seven hours. Um, Can you get me some food? Moore University failed 108 out of 111 evaluation points by the inspectors. I'm shocked that they passed three. The inspectors recommended the school be denied its status as a post-education university. A hearing was held, and Moore's lawyers came, threatening lawsuits against the inspectors, saying the inspectors were lying. Moore University appealed the inspectors' reports. The state was changing its regulatory system at the time, and the procedures the inspectors had used were not yet made official. Oh, fuck. So Moore won the appeal. Oh, my God. Then, while the state was coming up with new regulations, somehow Moore was grandfathered in, becoming officially an endorsed California post-education university. What? What? How? (laughs) I mean, that one, how? That's just pure California, baby. What a mess! What a mistake! It's like, it's like the late eighties. Uh, it's crazy. Moore University then expanded to New York, Philadelphia, Chicago, Atlanta, and other cities. In the early nineties, the university started taking in homeless people to give them a place to live. Oh. But critics saw this as a PR move and a way to avoid attacks. When criticized, Moore would make it look like the people. We're going after the university because they were helping homeless people. Wow. By creating a charity for the homeless, the school also got tax benefits. Jesus Christ. Can you imagine if you're a homeless person and you're like, now I should tell you, your new home will have food and you have, yeah. but you're going to be fucking the whole time you're here. Where's the Where's the yeah. So I know that there's, the, the downside is you'll just becoming the whole time oh i'm here because of ptsd man i can't i can't do that I, go into that purple barn what and fuck this guy's wife in front of his son <laughs> okay the charity was called turn on to america turn on to america but, why not just come usa but this created a person-sized hole Excuse me? Yeah, that's how I wrote it. I thought it was a pretty good turn of phrase. Yeah. I think that's what this university is about. Two reporters <laughs> two reporters from the Contra Costa Times 
could now pose as homeless people and get in. Uh, what a great gig. Yep. I got to go undercover it. Fuck you. It wasn't very normal inside. There was now a closed circuit TV system that played sex tips, gossip, and party scenes from school parties. Oh, God. <laughs> it's like... It's like a bar. Oh, God. The school's elite <coughs> lived on the hill on campus, but homeless were not allowed near it. <coughs> the reporters found out that inside the building on the hill, women served men while dressed in tiny costumes without underwear. They were only serving men while the men played cars, cards, drank beer, and smoked. The reporters... <laughs> It's like an Oaks Club. It, it is. It it is with, insane. But with, but with cocktail wages without panties. He, I, honestly, and it, it's obviously there's brainwashing, and I'm sure there's a lot of live. But look, if you're just sitting in a room where you play cards, drink, and smoke, and then women just walk around naked, you it's know, pretty great. Maybe don't rock the boat. This is 20 years. This has been going on. I mean, it's a pretty good run. Years. Pretty good run. <laughs> Dude, you want to get into that main house. I mean... Talk about looking like an orphan looking in at a big meal. The reporters also took a course on basic sensuality, which including having people look at their genitals in a mirror and homework with questions about whether they would have sex with men, midgets, and paraplegics. Jesus God. The mirror thing is so weird. Well, that's a the whole thing. The idea of like being like, somewhere see, like you have you have a dick that you can look at, but a woman can't stare straight into her vagina. So yeah, the mirror is, thing now in a classroom setting, it's weirder. It's just the idea of strangers just being like, look at your gen. Oh, there we go. Look at her clitoris. Oh, God. Right there. No, see I that? Feel, I don't feel sweetie. Good. We're looking at your genitals. No, I feel terrible right now. Oh, right there. Look at, the, look at I don't want to do this. Look at this. No, I'm stopping the podcast. Your skin's strange right there. Pull back her skin. Fuck. Hey, guys, look at my balls. Stop it. Get I'm the gonna, mirror under my I'm ball bag. I'm going to punch my balls right now. All right. Tweak her nipples like you're Stop. tuning a radio. Don't. All right. Good thing we got these mirrors. The school made its own money. Fuck bucks. Which was made from old cigarette packs. What? That now have the university seal on them. So yeah, that's right. Marlboro dollars. They would take Paul Mall cigarettes and they would undo the undo the <laughs> undo the cigarette packs so that was like flat and they cut off the bottom and then on the inside where where it didn't have any writing, they would write the university insignia and that was their own monetary system. So impossible to counterfeit. <laughs> Well, this checks out. It says it's money on the inside of this cigarette pack. Well, you're really falling into some good cash. I didn't know we had a billion-dollar pack. <sighs> to get a doctorate in 1994... It 1994. Would... Yeah, it should have said 1894, but yeah. it says 1994, 1994. that's when this was happening. Normal. It would cost you $43,200. Perfect. Also, in 1994, the Contra Costa Times reported that Moore had... 1.7 million in real estate holdings and brought in an average revenue of 1 million a year. In 1992, a former student student wrote to the state of California. It wasn't actually the state. They wrote to like the whatever the the fucking name was too long, but it was it's basically the the people who do the postdoc stuff. Right. It's not like sending a letter to Santa where you're no, like, you don't "Dear send, California, Dear California, I have bad news." Um 
Uh, and he said in the letter that he was encouraged to use illegal drugs, which were sold on the campus, and that the school engaged in prostitution and that you actually had to pay for sex or you were threatened with expulsion. <laughs> but in a way, I, I mean, Wait, obviously how do I gotta, amazing. How do I got to use my loans? Well, listen, you're in trouble. You got to buy you got to buy a whore every every 2 to 3 days. Where's your cigarette pack money? I didn't know that. But in a way, I bet you legally it's not prostitution because you've invented a currency that isn't legitimate. Oh god. So I don't know how that works. I've never Oh, that would be I've a great argument about, to hear. Your oh. honor, while my while the defendant did make people fuck and he gave them money, the money isn't real. Therefore, none of this matters. None of this is real. Okay, uh, the state demanded a response to the letter, but Moore University just sued the student who had written the letter for $120 million. Well, either way. Who the, he then apologized. Whoa. But the end was near for Boy, Moore. I don't have $120 million. <laughs> but the end was near for Moore University. Every five years, the university had to be inspected and re-upped. That was pretty much the end of it. The walls came crashing down, and the school was closed in 1997. But that did not mean that the fingering movement ended. They still existed, they still teach, and they're still getting bigger than ever. Ray Vetterlein, remember I brought up Ray earlier? No. Quote from Ray? Ray was the guy I had a quote from him about. Uh, oh, right. Yes, yes, yes. Ray was one of those who learned the ways and spread the movement. He spent years at Lafayette Morehouse and eventually had over 40 years experience giving women long orgasms. He went on, according to the New York Times, to, quote, achieve fame in sex circles by claiming to lengthen the average female orgasm to 20 minutes. Psh, it's nothing. So I don't know. They don't know about the Gareth method. That's for sure. <laughs> it's nothing. 20 minutes. Come on, guys. Come what, on. You, what is this fucking amateur? Uh, what are we doing here? Come on. Oh, is that what you learned how to do, Ray? Ooh, la la. Fucking bend over, Ray. I'm going to show you something. <laughs> All right, Ray. So guys like Ray were out there spreading the movement of I wish it wasn't fingering. called spreading the movement. Well, that's of what I put down. It's I mean, just a very. I'm going to use a lot of different terms. It's going to be they're going to be horrible before this is over. One of those women he taught was a woman named Nicole Daydon. Nicole Ding Dong. Daydon. 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 D a e d o n e. Daydon. Daydon. Like when it's night. Yes. Daydon. Nicole was born in 1956 in Los Gatos, California. I guarantee you right now, someone listening to this podcast it just got really bummed because they realized that this is a little bit about them. They're like, my nana? Uh, they were like, oh, I've done this. Uh, she was born in 1956 in Los Gatos, California. She attended San Francisco State University and got a degree in gender communications and was on her way to get a doctoral degree with a focus on semantics which is a branch of linguistics and logic concerned with meaning and word relations. It's like a degree in being annoying. Well, it actually means she knows language. She knows words. Me too. And she knows how to use them. Oh, boy. So she's 27 years old, going to school to get a post-degree, and then her father dies one day. He died in prison. He was there for molesting children. Nicole completely broke down. She says her dad never did anything to her as a child, but quote, my body turned to stone and crumbled. She quit school and opened the 111 Minna art gallery. Okay. She then turned to Buddhism. Okay. Then came a night that changed her life. Nicole was at a party where she met a Buddhist man. He told her he had been practicing quote, 
contemplative sexuality. Where you just sit around all day and be like, man, it'd be man, fun to bang. It's so great. Oh, wait, that, that was my entire teenage years. <laughs> That's true. She was intrigued because who wouldn't be? Right. This Buddhist man invited her uh, to lie down naked and spread her legs. Then he set a timer and stroked her clitoris while he narrated what he saw while looking at her vagina. Feels a little sterile. He said the colors of her vagina went from coral to deep rose to pearlescent pink. She had a mood pussy? And her life was changed. Oh, now you're angry. Now you're tired. You're thinking of dragons. You're thinking of dragons right now. Nicole said, quote, I just broke open and the feeling was pure and clean. In a strange way, I think at that moment I decided to live. For me, there wasn't anything going on down there. There was nothing. It was like I was so contracted and tight and wanting to be a good person and be good that I couldn't actually feel. I couldn't get a whole big world of sensation that's now available in my genitals. For me, it was an unbelievable breakthrough. Good thing she went to that party. <clears throat> she quit working at the g- gallery to devote her life to making sex and pleasure open. I'm giving you guys my two weeks. I'm going to focus on masturbating. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. How are you going to make money? Huh? Oh, I'm, don't worry about it. I've met a Buddhist at a party. What? I, it was great to see you guys. Okay. Start finding my replacement. I'm going on a finger tour. Did you know your vagina can be coral? <laughs> okay, we're going to close the gallery. Why? It's just weird now. Oh. She said, quote, I have a legacy to bring light into an area of the world where there's a lot of darkness. That's not nice Literally? to say about a vagina. Yeah. Now, this is where her declaration of what happened and others is a bit different. Oh, boy. Nicole says she spent years training with Ray. That's what she told the New York Times in a puff piece in 2009. There's no mention of Victor Barranco. But when she started teaching her version of spiritual fingering, which from what I could find was around 2001, the story seems like it was a bit different. The history is very murky on Nicole De Dong. And I assume that's for a reason. Nicole has the shortest Wikipedia page of anyone of her stature I have ever seen in my life. Interesting. It's about six lines. Jesus. The official record is that Nicole founded a business called One Taste in San Francisco in 2001. She founded a business Mm -hmm. called One Taste? One Taste. Okay. Like Victor, it was established as a business. One Taste says it is dedicated to researching and teaching the practices of orgasmic meditation and slow sex. But the central focus is female orgasm and sexuality, specifically OMing. Or as, or as it's called, orgasmic meditation. Victor Broncos was called D-O-ing, or deliberate orgasm. So obviously they're very different. Totally different. There, You can't see any sort of connection. Now. One is meditative. It seems as if the growth of One Taste was fairly slow at first. She opened two retreats in San Francisco and New York. And she began teaching her methods. The slow clit jam, as I like to call it. Whoa. There were workshops, weekend retreats, and one-on-one coaching programs. The earliest I could find an ad, which is now gone but could be found through Google Cache, thank you, Google Cache, was from the Learning Annex. Do you remember the Learning Annex? Yeah. The Learning Annex 
I was going to say was when I wrote this, but is. It still exists. As a matter of fact, I looked it up and hilariously saw some people teaching comedy there. Oh, my God. The Learning Agnex is a private adult education school that was founded in New York. They had classes or schools or whatever uh, they were in every single city in America. They were fucking everywhere. I remember being, uh, I remember in the 90s because they taught everything, anything someone could teach and people would pay to learn. The Learning Annex had it. They used to teach stand-up comedy, Ugh. which is probably the best way to learn it in a classroom taught by some guy who really needed money. Yep. That's the way to do it. Uh, it still exists. People who are not good at subjects teaching others how to do it. So what better and more comfortable environment to have someone rub your clit in front of an audience? It's the seven-hour punchline. Anyway, <laughs> sure enough, in 2006, Nicole shows up teaching a learning annex class based in San Francisco, a two-hour course on the introduction to orgasmic meditation. Ugh. Course description. Learn the tools you need to experience greater sensual freedom with this hands-on offering. Hands-on. <clears throat> this open and safe introduction will start you on a journey to experience a deeper conscious contact with pleasure and desire that can transform your life. At the bottom of the cached ad is Nicole's bio. It says she is a graduate of a female orgasm course. It says she went to SF State. And then it says, quote, she has spent the last seven years devoting the energy to her energy to the work of Dr. Victor Barranco, founder of Moore University, and that she's been teaching for 11 years. What? So we know she started teaching in 1995 based on that. And from the way it sounds, she possibly went to Moore University and did some very serious female orgasm study. Sure. But we can't say for sure that that's true because we just found this in a bio she wrote in a learning annex ad. Right. But I don't know why you'd lie in a bio for a learning annex ad in 2006, but hey. Right. <clears throat> like Victor, she was turning fingering into a business. Wow. Though she doesn't mention Victor and there is no record of her and Victor having studied together, on her materials or Wikipedia or anywhere else. Both One Taste and more say she only took three classes, except Google Cache, where things can't be erased, disagrees. <laughs> now, one would not want to be associated with Victor, as he did not end his life with a good reputation. He really? died in 2002 in Hawaii. He was at one point prosecuted for distributing LSD. The clear exploitation of young, woman, of young women was now obvious, and the fact that it was a cult. Right. So, when setting up a new clit-rubbing business, it's best not to be associated with the Grendel of female orgasms. Right. And she is not. While building her new vagina business in San Francisco, Nicole wasn't alone. She had met another clit-rubbing practitioner in 1999 named Robert Kendall. Robert had gone into uh, sexuality when he had an honest discussion with his wife at Burning Man in 1998. Perfect place. <laughs> Perfect place. <laughs> they tried swinging but didn't like it. They ended up in a quote class about sex where Robert found he knew little about women and so quote decided to dedicate my energy and attention to my sex life. And that's how he met Nicole. The two started a school together in 2002. They merged with another company in 2003. Then in March 2004, they opened a center. They quickly got 10 volunteers and were running a yoga program, which at some point became a nude yoga program. Wow. And they were serving raw food and smoothies. Massages were offered. This was all to, quote, bring the concept of orgasm to the world, 
and it quickly took off. The building looked like a coffee shop, so people would often wander in, and these sales pitches would begin. Can I get a venti... Sorry, where's the menu? Have you ever come for like four hours? Do you have Uh, cappuccino? In my pussy. Hi. Look me in the eyes. Are you scared to look people in the eyes? Are you are you scared of intimacy? Do you guys have tea or biscuits? Look at me. I just I see a sadness. What did you say when I ordered a coffee? Would you like to rub my clit? Don't look me in the eye. Why are you scared to look people in the eyes? I I just came. F- yeah, you came for coffee, and your whole life is being opened up. I'll play with your clit. <laughs> Do you guys have coffee in the the clit room? Classes began with the usual spiritual, we can make you better promise. Everything to get people into the building and then try to put them into the orgasmic meditation classes. (sighs) By now, she had both the One Taste Urban Retreat Center and the Insight Institute's Central Research Center. These names. Yeah. Well, she did study semantics, didn't she? Jesus. It's not like Victor, who was like, no. oh, the fuck room. Yeah. And the jamming in the cunny place. Like, she's, she knows what she's fucking doing with words. Welcome to Jizz. One of the things the class would do is, quote, show how a person can access raw sensuality anytime, anywhere, with anyone. Okay. That- just, just for, just so everyone <coughs> knows, that, to me, sounds terrible. Sounds a little rapey. You shouldn't want to experience raw sensuality anytime, anywhere. With I can see you're looking at those French bread pizzas. I don't want to do this right Let now. Let me finger you. <laughs> it would also, quote, reveal a set of specific tools which will help you unlock emotional blocks that prevent you from living life fully. Okay, that's fine. Unlocking emotions. Very important. Never heard it before. Did you know the lock was in your pants? What? Let me use the key. Okay. This is how OMing works. OMing. First, the man and woman build a nest out of pillows and a yoga mat. So they make a fort. She lays in the nest, bottomless. With a shirt on? And Yeah, shirt on. And bottomless and spreads her She's like her Porky legs. Pig? You're going to just... This Sorry. is OMing. Sorry. I guess she is like Porky Pig. That's a weird way to put it. Could you leave the class, please? You're very disruptive. <laughs> a lot of things sound like Porky the Pig. Wait, are we doing it like a Porky Pig thing here? So what? She's dressed like a fucking Looney Tune? <laughs> she lays in the nest, bottomless, and spreads her legs. He puts on rubber gloves and puts some of the One Taste proprietary organic lube on. <laughs> Sounds very erotic so far. <laughs> Well, it's not supposed to be. Are you ready to get turned on by a pap smear? You don't have to put gloves on if you're in a relationship with the person doing the fingering sure. and rubbing. If it's a stranger, you use a glove. Of course. Yep. He massages her legs and looks at her clit. That's, hey, look at that. That's called the noticing phase. Hey, I found it. It was right here on your vagina. Now, during the noticing, he narrates what he sees. Your clit. He breaks down the vagina verbally. You mean like like a drill sergeant would do a new recruit? No, no, you're supposed to use... You're the grossest <laughs> vagina I've ever seen in my life. You're so barely a pussy, you're almost a dick. 
Look at the state of this. You got hairs here, no hairs here. You're not going to make it past two hours of coming, you little baby. <laughs> it's the opposite. Oh. You're supposed to use non-value terms and use no judgment. Non-value terms being. So you do, you go like this. Well, you're. I'm going to come. I see that you have a pubic hair that is pointing up towards the ceiling. And your Thank lips you. are very full and swollen, and they look like happiness. That's what you're supposed to do. This is a great nest. The, um, so then the dude gets in a position. which if, is, Just which like I a believe, regular nest, if you fingered her, would the mother no longer treat her as her own? <laughs> So, I think he gets on her left, and he uses his right thumb at the opening, <coughs> opening of her vagina. And, the hitchhiker. And the tip of his left index finger goes onto her clit. Mm-hmm. She can then tell him if he should move his hands at all, and whether to move faster or apply more pressure, etc. Right. The dude is just supposed to say, thanks. Right. Uh, after 13 minutes of this, they start winding down. Sure. I should say it's not always a dude. It can be a couple of ladies, but the entire program seems to be about men getting women off. Right. Uh, the stroker, as they are called, are supposed to be fulfilled through pleasure by proxy, as well as by enjoying the sensations in their bodies as they stroke. The idea is basically similar to Buddhist tantric sex, but without the sweet, sweet cash rolling in. So, yeah, so a guy fingers a lady and then that's it. That's, that's the whole thing. Does it for 15 minutes. Rubs her clit however she wants it rubbed. <laughs> Listen to this conversation we're having. And then everyone just goes goes on their way. That's that's the oh, I mean. She has uh, – she. I've read most – most from what I read, most women don't come, but it still feels great. And you're, it's like a – it's supposed to be like meditation. That's what They don't come? Not, not a lot of them do because they're in a fucking room with 60 other people. Still, in a place – you would think that after – if you were doing this enough, 15 – this – you would imagine that this place had gotten off more women than Gloria Allred. Yeah. And that this would be happening on the reg. Yeah. No, it should be. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure a lot of women do come, but there are a lot of women who can't come in a room full of 60 people. Well, get them out of here because they're not a team player. <laughs> There's enough women out there who can't come just in a room with a dude who's trying really hard. Gary. Excuse me? You can take... A 10-hour, $195 introductory workshop at One Taste. Uh, one Taste is really, again... Well, semantics. You can also buy the Nest Kit from them. So you can buy all the pillows and the yoga mat. And This is before Bed Bath & Beyond existed? You can also buy the lube, the organic proprietary lube. It's all for sale. That's OMing, great that they have a little gift shop. Oeming is designed to let the sensory system rise up, which lets the practitioners gain access of different forms of consciousness. It also lets them take your money. Right. The One Taste Urban Retreat Center had about 50 people living in it by 2007. They called themselves messengers of orgasm. Like a commune, they would cook, eat, do yoga, and sleep together. The commune was made up of a few buildings in the same neighborhood. Up to 24 people would stay in one bedroom, two in a bed, 12 beds in a room. Good God. But One Taste was not called the commune, because again, commune has negative connotations, sure. doesn't it? So she called it a research community. Better. Almost everything that has negative connotations associated with it has been changed at One Taste. 
It's as if somebody studied semantics. Who could it be? The messengers of orgasm would pair into what are called research partners. Lab buddies. (laughs) (laughs) But that's so fucking funny, though, too, to think if you're getting partnered in that phase, because there's probably, you know, varying degrees of uh, attractiveness going on. So when they're just sort of like dodgeballing the teams together. Yeah, it's really what it is. It really, it sounds like it's like you, you I, I, I believe from what I've read, and it's very complicated because there's so many people on both sides of it. And, and I do think there is something to a woman learning how to fucking be open sexually. Yeah. That is yeah, you negatively do. looked upon our society. So this, this does have one aspect of it that's good. Sure. But at the same time, there, it sounds like, you are slightly pressured to, like, you should be open to doing it with whoever. Right. Or else you're closed off. Else you're weird. Which gets into the weird cultish Culty, shit. Scientology. Yeah. Um, so, basically, uh, the, pl- the, the, where'd it go? God damn it. Where did it go? Did it stop? Oh, I got it. Oh, there it is. Um, so, so right. So there's, there's a research partner. More than one person has said uh, Nicole would try to push two people together to be research partners. Come on, smush. Yeah. So she's like, you and Jeff would be good together. Go into the smush room. Jeff's like, <laughs> I came here because women won't talk to me and I like to finger. Like, all right, Jeff. Boy, I'm going to really jam them in and out of you. A research partner can be someone you share a bed with or make out with or have sex with or have any sort of intimacy with. Sure. You can have a research partner for just a week or over a year. A few people are in monogamous, monogamous relationships, but the majority are not. We're going to be research partners for life. Everyone in the Urban Retreat Center gets together each weekday at 7 a.m. and they do a group clit rub session. Sure. It's just sort of like the morning constitutions. Yeah, it's like you It's the pledge the of allegiance of your vagina. That's right. Then there's another uh, session at 2 p.m. and then a last one at 6:45. Those are less attentive because people are at their jobs and stuff. Right? Yeah, the you got to go to work to where you don't tell people about your vagina fight yeah, club you live it's at. It's hard to get over from Google to the place at two to get your sure, yeah. rub to get back to Google. Well, off to the coal mines. They can sleep in one. Uh, they can sleep in on weekends before they start going after the little man on the boat around 7:45 a.m. <laughs> we'll see you on the morning for the bean flick. After the San Francisco Chronicle wrote about naked, non-sexual yoga classes, a lot of horny, non-yoga dudes started showing up, so the yoga classes went back to being fully clothed. I'm ready to do downward doggy style. <laughs> if I was a fucking like, kid who... I found her third eye. It's in her vagina. If I'm like an 18-year-old kid who cannot get laid and I hear about this, I'm down there in a heartbeat. My you God. can't keep me out of there. No way. If they throw me out, I'm, com- I'm getting a disguise kit. If I have... Hello, I'm Baron Von Twinkle. If I have some uh, uh, shades of Asperger's and I have a hard time uh, being intimate or dealing with people on a level, I'm looking at the You're so right about the guys who are like, yeah, I'm here because I'm very curious about the female orgasm. Do you like comic books? (laughs) At some point, being a woman after cash, Nicole started uh, becoming connected with Silicon Valley. And in particular, a man named Reese Jones. They started an actual relationship. He is a venture capitalist who studied biophysics at UC Berkeley and had success at one point inventing uh, and patenting different things. Like he patented like a basic sound level recording thing for computers. So he like, gets tons of money from like that kind of stuff. Right. 
Either way, he's very rich, very connected. And he got into the awesomeness of rubbing ladies. Quote, it's a procedure to nourish the limbic system like yoga or Pilates with no other strings attached. When you go to a massage therapist, you don't take the masseuse to dinner afterwards. No, he's right. I don't. But I also don't get jerked off by them. Yeah. Um, so I, I actually, I, I would say comparing yoga or Pilates or a massage to f- rubbing a lady's clit for 15 minutes is weird. By the way, I do take them to dinner. Oh, right. Always. Never mind. All right. Want to hit TGI Fridays? The business. Boy, my back feels better. Where's the closest Chili's? <laughs> oh, my God. The business became more successful. Now they had a new building, and everyone had their own private room instead of 24 packed into one. And suddenly, Nicole started getting attention. First came a pretty flattering piece in the New York Times in 2009. Quote, one taste. 2009. <clears throat> one taste is but the latest stop on this sexual underground, weaving together strands of radical individual freedom, Eastern, spir- Eastern spirituality, and feminism. This was the first time Nicole and her OMing plan really hit the mainstream. Some people found it interesting. There was a lot of ridiculing, and some called it a cult. Some ex-members said it wasn't all it was cracked up to be. One woman said Nicole is the kind of person who quickly understands everything about someone. Hmm. Two former members said they had left because they wanted to have a heart-focused relationship, not a genital-focused one. Mm. That's said, the hardest part to stroke. It really is, the heart. By the way, I have a I have a workshop about stroking the heart. Oh, I want to come. Interesting, you would say that. Uh, they said Nicole Nicole will declare a message or something, and then everyone reflects it in the building, which is a little cult sound. Sure. And Nicole responded by saying that there is a potential for something like this to become a cult, but she doesn't like the focus to be the all powerful figure, and that she moved out of the house because of it. I wonder if that was also because she could afford her own place at that yeah. point. Yeah. But the name and the word OMing was now getting out there, and the more people heard about it, the more people wandered into the One Taste Urban Retreat Center on Folsom Street to see what it was all about. There you get a hard sales push. There is a shitload of eye contact, unlike when you were getting finger banged during the There's a lot of genital morning. contact. You're not, by the way, you're not supposed to look the lady in the eye when you're fingering her. Of course not. you got to look at the mirror near her genitals. <clears throat> Uh, there are a lot of things in the center uh, people will try to sell you, right? It's like an Amway for uh, vaginas. Perfect. And the company's profile kept going up and up. There were more magazine articles, newspapers, and a nightline feature. Wow. Then in 2011 came the big moment. Since Nicole clearly doesn't like attention, as she told the New York Times, one can, clearly. Only, one can only wonder how Nicole ended up giving a TED Talk called... Orgasm, the cure for hunger in the Western woman. It would be great if the TED Talk was called How to Not Garner Attention. The 50-minute TED Talk was a huge hit. Wow. Now celebrities were on board. Deepak Chopra put it on his YouTube channel. What? There it Deepak? Has, there it has been seen millions of times. She said orgasm is like a nutrient and women need it. And that by feeding and taking care of your sexual needs, everything else comes together. It's like a vagina elixir. Sure. But at the end of the day, the goal of One Taste is profit. So they are turning orgasms into cash. The Urban Monk program is for people who want to immerse completely in sensuality and cost $2,000 a week. Wow. The goal is to, quote, turn on. Right. Remember Turning On America? Yeah. And those two words, the company has trademarked. Really? 
Turn on, as far as I can tell, is everything. Let go, energize, feel. It really feels like someone took a bucket and dumped every uplifting word into it. And that kind of language works for people looking for something in life, people coming off a breakup, people who feel depressed, people with unfulfilled needs. That's why the language was created. Remember, did, did I tell you Nicole studied semantics? Yes, brought that up once. That's why some people call it a cult. Either way, they're saying, quote, when they say turn on, they're saying, quote, an awake and alive pussy will aid a woman's physical and mental health. God Pe- bless them. People come to the center for tons of reasons. Women can come. <laughs> I think I know the main one. <laughs> Women can come with a partner or in search of one. Same with dudes. Learning to OM takes place in a one-day workshop for 199 bucks. A six-month master class goes for up to 7500 Dave, we're going for the one day. Yeah. Oh, my God. I thought about it, but I'm married. The coaching not cor- there, you're not. The coaching course Bring costs- Heather. I'll find someone. We'll take a caravan. <laughs> Could you imagine my wife in that room? Just Holy put, shit. Just she take Finn to the theme park with a babysitter you. for the day. You, me, and the couple of missuses will just go down there and... Number one, my wife is a psychologist, so she would be like, therapy! You should be in therapy, not this! That's not helping these women come, darling. The coaching course costs $15,000. Yeah. There's a yearly membership fee of forty nine. Sure. A weekend conference... Uh, for uh, anywhere from 200 to 400 They will also certify your business as OM-based. So if you want to do that for your yoga studio or a coffee shop or even a bank or legal office. Legal office? <laughs> what? Okay, so, yeah. So I assume that means... Look, this is also a conflict resolution kind of thing. <clears throat> right. OMing. They want it to be everything. Are they settling lawsuits with finger I don't know. <laughs> it's like if you want to be kosher, if you want, you want to have a kosher store. You I want to take a 15-minute recess. Miss, can I see you in the other room? Mm, can I? Uh... Yeah, I want to talk to the judge for a minute. Judge, I think this, I think this would be better if I could rub your clit. Uh, um, sustained. uh, Okay. Great. Get under the robe. They emphasize that they are in no way... Use the gavel. They are in no way spiritual. Right. Quote, we are not that. We trust you can handle your emotions, your experiences, the world. But people come looking for something, and One Taste is offering answers. The company says it can help with health benefits like increased energy, libido, and reduced stress and irritability. There are clearly dudes who don't have any idea how to be around women and have rarely had sex. They hear about a room full of women laying around with their pants off that they can stroke for 15 minutes and they're in. The women aren't forced to do anything. Anyone can leave whenever they want. And in a lot of articles I read, and there are a lot of articles of women who've gone and written articles, many women uh, do leave thinking it's bullshit or because they don't want a stranger to put a glove on and rub their clit. Well, then get in a relationship with them. But many are told it's the answer to everything. Now, if you were in a weird place in your life and you desperately want answers, you might sit there and think, oh, uh, maybe I can try this, especially when it's implied you're prudish or rigid. Yeah. Then you're coming on a floor around a bunch of people, (laughs) other people who are coming on a floor, and you're thinking, well, this is kind of awesome. I mean, we're all coming. Get the Swiffer. At one taste, they call the buildup of sexual energy that needs to be released tumescence. Sure. If you let tumescence build up, it will release itself in ways like becoming overly frustrated by someone loudly chewing their gum or losing your shit when someone else is late. 
Right. It's the same thing if you have thetans. <laughs> well, we all know how to get rid of those. But it's the exact same thing. Right. Yeah, purge yourself of the bad. Right. Right. They so their their bad is the buildup of sexual energy. Right. Scientology you makes you clean a boat for nine years and sign a billion year contract, and then this one just this says actually, get fingered. This is a lot better. Way better. <laughs> <laughs> they have a mantra. To Messens, where the problem is never what it seems and the solution is always orgasm. Well, there you go. And they use it for that. If two workers at one taste are having an issue, they might OM it out. All right, guys, enough fighting. Finger her. They actually would tell two arguing employees to go OM it out. Wow. I bet it works. I bet it does. It is literally the answer for everything. And the deeper you get into it, the deeper you want to go and pay higher costs for the classes. So does Scientology. <clears throat> it is now a top 5,000 company in the United States. Wow. They have centers in San Francisco, New York, Los Angeles, and London. They have over 15 cities worldwide listed on their website. Dave, they let's offer, go. They offer many classes. One, for example, is called 10 Women Want You to Know How to Handle a Woman's <sighs> Pussy. They don't say vagina, they say pussy, and they say cock, because those words are more full of energy. Yeah, they are. And Nicole still has the smallest Wikipedia page of any human I've ever seen of her influence. <laughs> but she has cornered the market on people who want. Women looking to learn to be more open, men wanting to feel more emotions, couples wanting more from their sex lives. Losers who want to see what a vagina looks like. And even a guy who said he saw an advertisement for a class on, quote, how to handle a woman's pussy and decided to come. I'm in. <laughs> well, that's something I would like to do. Great. I would very much like to handle, know how to handle a woman's pussy. Hello, is this the Pussy Institute? Whatever it takes to get them in the door, like a car dealership. Many women have gone to a class and written about it, and those descriptions often include seeing many individual men who you don't want anywhere near your pussy. And those men are eager to ask you if you want your pussy rubbed, often within the first minute of meeting. But the women... Where are you from? I am from uh, Sausalito. Can I finger your pussy? Um, Yeah. What's your job? Take your panties off. Let me get the glove on. Hey, I'm already lubed up with the glove. Ready hey, I've go. got my lube glove. <laughs> hey, do you have a nest? Because I brought my own nest. Oh, you're vegan? Can I rub your pussy? <laughs> there is. Oh. <laughs> There's also a slow-growing movement within one taste to stop using the noticing. That's when he describes the vagina. That's the part. Oh, they want to get rid of where that? The, where, no, there's there's a movement growing within, to within make it one taste against it because it makes everyone so uncomfortable. Yeah. The women are like, I don't want to hear about my pussy. And the guy's like, I don't really want to talk about your pussy for two minutes. I'm kind of running out of stuff to say. I mean, how much can I say about a pussy? It's yes, still there. It's red again. It's red. Apparently, it's super uncomfortable for everyone. The Deepak Chopra OM video has now been seen in 2,378,000 times. Nicole's TED Talk has been seen over a million times. Meetups take place now in 43 cities in 10 countries. The company had a revenue of $6.5 million in 2004, and it continues to grow. But either way, right now, as we do this podcast, some guy somewhere is sitting beside a woman with a glove on, and he just said, I'm going to touch your pussy now. And because of that, Nicole is putting more money in the bank. Whoa. Good golly. (laughs) We got to (laughs) go. Come you on, there's go. one in L.A. You can go because you're fucking single. Go, dude. All right. I'm not, I'm not in a polyamorous relationship. Me and my wife are monogamous. Come on. Let me talk to her. 
I don't want you. You, me, and Heather. Let's go down to this institute and look at some pussies. God, how awkward it would be from here on out if you Uh, my wife's clit for 15 minutes. Oh, my God. I didn't even think you were going to put that spin on it. I thought it was going to be me watching you. Be like, you know, Dave, you've been pretty passive aggressive ever since I put that glove on. It's a really weird thing to wrap your brain around, right? So it's almost like someone has looked at the crude... It's almost like a it's it's like a business someone with a very smart business mind looked at cults and went I can do this in a business way I can apply the the weird pressure the weird the weird way you draw people into cults the weird answers that you get from cults and plugged it into a business that's about the human body you're like marketing orgasms to people but it also it, ties it, into feminism and women taking control of their bodies. It is, ge- it is genius. Women, it is genius. There's so many levels to it <laughs> where you go, okay, it's a cold, it's bad. But then it's – I bet it's fucking helping a ton of women. And if you just – but to me, I always come back to if you just read a book because she has a book out called Slow Sex. If you just read that book and learn how to do that with your partner or even if you want to do it with a bunch of different dudes, that's fine. But it's the sitting Get in a room full of 60 other people that's weird. It's also the um, – because it is true. I, like, I think that about a lot of things. That, that you sh- you know, there's just a lot of stuff that is taboo that if we were to break through, we, a lot of good would come from it. So there is no – there really is no – it is a good thing to teach to liberate women sexually and yes. like teach fucking you know, weirdos how to be with women. But I also think that you could – that should – you could do that in a relationship. Yeah, you could that, do that with some – you should do that with somebody. Like the idea that you right. have no – that there's no communication as far as like what is going on and what the person likes is really – that's almost weirder. Right. To me, it's – to me, it's it, – well, that's where you get into the cult thing because it, it – that, that falls under the grooming thing of when you – because there are clearly a lot of – there was one woman. So I went – there's Yelp reviews. And if you want to check out the Yelp, people fucking write up Yelp reviews. And there are people saying it's awesome. And there's one woman who was like, I found out I've been sexually molested because I went in and this stranger started rubbing me. And I went, oh, my God, I was I was molested by a family member when I was a kid. And she went into deep depression. And then she went back to talk to someone about it. And that person said, well, let's owe our way out of it and then made it 10 times worse. So there's that level of it, which is you're talking about people who have no experience with psychology doing shit that is super psychology-related and doing tons of damage. And on a side note, how weird is it when you're the guy who has, like, been fingering her and she has... You're like, should oh. I stop? She's talking about her uncle a lot. Yeah. Well, what's going on? She's like, oh, my God, what a breakthrough. Should I take the glove off? Is Can, can I get a prof over here? And then anywhere you go and read about a story, if you go down... Because I must have read 30. If you go down to the you comments... You must have been really aroused. Oh, so hard. If you go down to the comments, there's always... The first one that says, oh, my God, this is so fucking ridiculous. Just learn how to do it with a partner. And the next comment is people who have done it calling that person a prude. Maybe there's something to it. I'll tell you. I'll, I'll let you know when I head down there. <laughs> they have them in L.A. all the time. I'm gonna one taste get-togethers is 10 bucks. Your first, you can go 10 to bucks? A, a get-together for 10 bucks. I think that's just. How much to finger? I, I think that's the 199 10-hour thing. Let, let's get a Kickstarter up. And, um, but if you go to a one taste meetup for yeah. ten bucks, there will be tons of people there 
Like if you go, like, the there, like there's tons of women who went to one taste meetups, the $10 one. And then there are dudes who would, you know, she'd be like, Hey, I'm Linda and I'm here for, and the I'm dude, Barry. Can I finger you? Exactly. <coughs> That's exactly what happens. One woman said that within a, every single guy she met within under a minute, he asked if he could rubber clit. I mean, you want to you want to OM and it also it's design language. So you're not, yeah, you're not being like, let me finger you. Yeah, you're, oh, you, it's like saying, Hey, you want to meditate together? But it's not because you're rubbing your clit. Do you want to meditate later? And it also puts men in this weird position where it's just, it's just feeding in all this cultural it's shit. Very, that's going it's on right very, it's very, it's almost like manipulative and rapey in a weird way. Like if you're a guy, it's very, it's very strange and it's got to be very, it's rapey-ish. But if you're going to do it with women that you have no idea who they are, yeah, it's super rape. It, from, from a guy's perspective, it's rapey-ish. And yeah. I know, and I know that this whole thing's built on giving women power and stuff, but when there's, when there's Larry off the docks coming in because he wants to fucking see a bunch of vaginas, it's rapish. Can I wear my crabbing gloves? <laughs> we actually sell crabbing gloves. Oh, perf. <laughs> hey, I'm elbow deep. This chick's buzzing. <laughs> You're not supposed to be elbow deep. I can't get it out. I'm lodged. Someone jump out of tummy and release Wait, me. Are you Andrew Dice Clay? Get King Arthur over here. Remove Excalibur. Ow! God. And I, gar- I guarantee you we have listeners who have done this and they'll say it's great and then we'll get it. I'll let you know if it's great when I, I fucking go to the thing. Here's what I guarantee you. I guarantee you we have people that will say it's great and then I will get a private email from someone that says, oh my God, this fucking ruined me. So that well, that's what this is. Is like We'd love to psych- hear from the, the OMers. The psychological damage you can always do to someone who is not prepared for what right, is coming right. is, is literally is what's like, if you don't have a professional psychologist on hand while people are getting fingered in a room full of 60 people, you're being extremely out of line. For sure. There you there in, in that situation there. Absolutely. You need to have like this very, that needs to be very sensitive. You can't just feel the guilt of the moment and continue with no. this because there's people around who are liking it. Yeah. I mean the thing, the thing about your fucking sexual organs is, they're fucking tied to a lot of shit. Yeah. Especially people who have been fucked with, <coughs> fucked with his kids. So you can't just go and lay down on a floor and get finger banged. You know, it's Dave just... FB, please. <laughs> Don't be disgusting. Well, my group, my group is called finger blasting. Hey, it's, we're the blasters. It, here's the thing. It's just for dudes. It's, it's mostly for dudes t- to, to FB and you shoot your load on the chest. And the lady never comes. You finger, you finger blaster, you use that lubricant to get yourself off. It's called manpower, baby. That would be the best if there was a guy who just, like, chewed the glove and started jerking off with the lube. And they're like, sir, sir, sorry, he's a mental patient. Get out of here. Oh, you, there's no way that they haven't had tons of problems with dudes getting fucking hard-ons. No way. And wanting to do shit. Oh, God. Like, that, that, like, do you get shamed for getting a hard-on? The fucking, the, the fucking predatory, the way this is set up. It is set up for predatorial monsters to come in and do shit. It's it doesn't fucking matter when sex is involved. Shit gets weird. Well, one and they're trying to make you. it not weird. I get that's what they're trying to do, but the way just look at all the fucking misogynists and fucking creeps online. I, I, I now think twenty five to thirty percent of dudes are completely fucked up out of their minds. More, more, higher. 
Completely. And that's why the fucking Taliban exists. Because oh, dudes are that, fucking creeped out sexually. They can't fucking handle shit. They yeah. want to get fucking laid. They're angry. And this shit makes it... Mm, it's not It's not good. No, it is weird. But uh, send me the link. <laughs> I could, you could seriously... I, you could talk about this for hours. And how, fucking, how fucking crazy it is. And go back and go back and forth. Uh, and yet there's going to be tons of women that send us things that say it helped them out. So what are you going to do? Uh, I am oh, ready. Oh, wow, that was an hour 25. I'm ready. I'm going to fucking finger blast you <coughs> in the next century. We're fingering cars. <laughs> hey there, people listening to The Dollop. Uh, this is Gareth. Yes, the same guy. I Listen, I have a new podcast called We're Here to Help that I'm doing with my friend Jake Johnson. It's basically a call and advice show where we don't say that we're professionals because we aren't. But we try to help people with problems that are important to them. You can listen to it wherever you listen to podcasts, and it is out right now. So go listen to We're Here to Help with Jake and Gareth. We're here to help with Gareth and Jake. I don't remember how we did it. But either way, fun. Half Hour comes out Tuesday, August 22nd, and the episodes will be out every Tuesday and Friday. We're here to help. Oh, hey there, everybody. It's Gareth, you know, from this uh this podcast. Uh, listen, I've got some stand-up shows. I'm inviting the Garmy, the Gareth Army, to join me for. I will be in Fort Collins, Colorado, August 18th and August 19th. I will be in Minneapolis, Minnesota, August 24th through August 26th at Acme. I will be going to the UK in September. Please join me. I will be in Glasgow, September 13th, London, September 15th, Dublin, September 17th, and September 19th, Manchester, Birmingham, September 20th, Bristol, September 22nd, and Cardiff, September 24th. And then in November, I'll be in Australia. November 10th, almost sold out, I think. I'll be in Melbourne, Australia. Then I will be in Northbridge, Australia on November 15th. Adelaide, November 16th. Canberra, November 17th. Brisbane, November 18th. And then I will be in uh, Sydney on November 24th. Go to GarethReynolds.com for tickets. Garmy, let's get at it after it. Let's see you there.